It's a Monday edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. I'm your host, Steve Buchanan, along with my co-host, very handsome, very good-looking, Julian Edlow, uh, in a different location this week. If you're watching on video, he still can't figure out curtains. Uh, but then again, uh, we tried to record this uh, a few moments ago, and after bashing him for not hanging curtains, my computer just went haywire and reset itself. So this is our second time that we're going through this. Um, welcome to the show. Welcome to week 11, which is coming up. We'll wrap up week 10. we got odds on with Johnny Avello coming up. Julian's probably going to talk some basketball. He's itching to say something. I can see it in his face. What do you want to say? You said, like, welcome to the show and then paused. So I was like, are you welcoming me to the show or our listeners and viewers? Listeners and viewers. Turns out it was just an awkward welcome to the listeners and viewers. Correct. We have a lot to go over on the show. We're going to be wacky, uh, uh, um, going over week 10 and everything that happened there. Week 11, by the way. Just going to say it real quick. The board is beautiful. The board is just, it, it, this is the board that we've been hoping for for a couple of weeks now. Uh, getting back to some normalcy, it feels like, with, with these lines. We'll get into that in a little bit. Then, of course, yeah. we'll uh, get uh, Al the insight from the sportsbook perspective from our friend Johnny Avella, who returns to the show this week as well. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping uh, here. Let's make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Unreasonable Odd. That's the podcast Twitter. Going to be giving away some free bets, maybe some tickets to the Millionaire Maker on DraftKings. So make sure to follow that. And then, of course, at Julian Edlo, at SBuchanan24. Julian, hi. You can talk now. Hello. Um, yeah, not, not much to add. I'm moving around again. Uh, the curtains in my office, not going well with daylight yeah. savings and the new time of day that we record this. Um, but soon this door behind me will lead to a beautiful home office and sports book. Um, we'll call it in my basement. That will be where I spend all of my time and, uh, do this podcast twice a week. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, you'll have to get a TikTok account and give us a home tour. I don't know what TikTok is. Ask Brendan Glasheen. Okay. Um, I'll also start. ask Brendan Glasheen if he has any recommended teasers where he can just give me a bunch of games to tease through zero this week. Really needed really needed to get the Patriots to plus three and a half in that one against the Browns. <laughs> right. 45 to seven wasn't enough or whatever it was. And, you know, we really needed to worry about teasing the Cowboys because, you know, they made that a really close game, too, as well. Wanted to make sure to get them down to minus one and a half. Uh, speaking of uh, of teams that won, uh, let's talk about some bets that won from last week. We'll start off with cash it or trash it, as we always do. Um, I was very high on the Dallas Cowboys, got them at uh, minus eight. Uh, you also could have got them at minus seven and a half as late as Sunday afternoon. That line was fluctuating up and down, but it didn't really matter what number you got them at because they returned to normalcy. And that was, uh, you know, the theme for week 10. I guess you want to say some of these teams that had abysmal week nines were going to get right and back in week 10. The Bills were one of those teams. The Cowboys were one of those teams. And, you know, we talked about it with Mitch Moss on Thursday. You know, if how week nine played out, we were gifted this minus eight line for the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Obviously not the most appealing number, you know, when in the grand scheme of things, but it didn't really matter in the end here because they just mm -hmm. absolutely wiped the floor with the Atlanta Falcons. Didn't even make it close. Um, actually has me a little puzzled for the Falcons line for, uh, for Thursday night against the Patriots only at minus six for the Patriots. That feels like one I'm going to be hammering for sure. Um, but the Cowboys get there easily with the minus eight. Yeah, you, you were on the Cowboys. I was a little nervous. I don't know why. Um, just because of the way things have been going in NFL. Sure. And this this was a bounce back week for everybody. So like my cash it out, I was on the Pats. Um, yeah. It was the only, now I wrote up three sides in my best bets article and said, 
I, you know, as usual, I'll put on Twitter what I lock in. Here's where I'm leading. Um, the Titans minus two and a half, three were in there. That goes to two, lands on two, wild one. And the Rams minus three and a half are in there. And I don't know if I'm even going to, we'll, we'll talk Monday night, obviously. This game scares me. Um, but the Pats were the one that I bet, the side that I bet, and it, and it got there easily. Um, so that felt good. Um, but there were, te- like, you know, this stretch isn't over. The, the Bucks going down was obviously the big one. Um, and I don't know how you want to feel about the Cardinals. Like, there's only so long you can survive without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. I- but they still closed a touchdown favorite against the Panthers and got smoked at home. So like in t- through, through Halloween, there had not been an upset of a, a touchdown dog or more Then the, the jets beat the Bengals. And since then we'll, we'll talk about this with Johnny Bell. I think by my count, there have been eight dogs of a touchdown or more that have won games since Halloween day. Wow. That trend that the jets started. That's unbelievable too. To, when you think about that and, and the teams that they're beating too in the process, mm-hmm. you know, to get those wins and um, you know, at least for the most part, the public kind of, you know, rebounded last week after the sports book has absolutely decimated everyone over the past couple of weeks. So this was the get right, um, right week for, you know, not just teams, but for the betting public, I guess you could say, and we'll, we'll touch on Monday in just a minute here, but uh, trash it. Um, I like the Raiders, you know, I, I thought the Raiders could win that game outright. You know, so many things wrong in that game for the Raiders. Like the whole Deshaun Jackson thing, I'm still trying to figure out what what that play was when he, you know, basically did a water boy impression and threw the ball. Where does he? So, team. yeah, I stayed up late for a lot of college basketball over the weekend. There was yeah. Villanova UCLA Friday night at 11:30 East Coast tip with an East Coast team in that one, even though it's in LA. Texas Gonzaga was 10:30 on on Saturday night. And then obviously I got to get up for work for Sunday, drive into the DraftKings studio. So like Sunday night, I was like, I'm catching up on sleep. I was sleeping in my bed with that game on. And I like kind of woke up for that play. And he, like, I was, I was so confused, like waking up out of your sleep to that play. I thought it was like a punt return for Jackson because he was going one way. And then I saw the defense going that way. I was like, it looked like both teams were trying to run the same way with the ball. No, that was literally Bobby Boucher throwing it to number 62 because he said something about his mama. And then he threw the ball <laughs> at him. They go and return it for the touchdown. Now, the Chiefs didn't return it for a touchdown, but it literally was like the same play. Like, that's really what it was. It was so odd. And the it was end just- zone was in the end zone was in sight with nobody between him and the end zone for one of the fastest players in the NFL. And remarkable. he decided to go the other way. Like, that's something I'd expect out of the Jets or something. Like, it's absolutely remarkable. And we, and we talked about, you know, are the Raiders being valued too highly here? Like, you know, the, the Raiders went down multiple notches in that game while the chiefs are now, you know, Oh, I told you they'd be back. You know, everybody's like, you know, so smart about the chiefs now because that's just how Twitter runs, but you know, not even close. Right. Up, like I, I thought setting that we, up a very interesting chiefs Cowboys. Yeah. This very much, very much so because if, if you want to talk about two teams who bounce back, and they needed to last week. Now they're going up against each other. You know, which bounce back was for real, I guess, if you want to say uh, that's going to be a big test here next week. But yeah, so absolutely trash that Raiders one. That was, you know, we, I think we had a chance midway through the third quarter. Then that's really just when the rails came off after that. Didn't even make it a close game at all. So we trashed the Raiders uh, plus two and a half. So I only played three things on Sunday. Um, yeah, I didn't play much. <laughs> and only only one side. So yeah. My side hit on the Patriots. 
I played two rushing prop overs in the late window. Um, I played Dalvin Cook over 91 and a half that got there on that last drive, killing the clock. Now, I, if you remember on our show, The Sweat, my dog was the Vikings. Um, you picked an underdog that tied. I actually picked a winner. You coward. They tied. Yeah. <laughs> that, that game was something special if you watched the end of that um, in Pittsburgh. But so the Vikings got it outright. My thinking was, and I said this in my analysis on the show, is Dalvin Cook has to have a big game for them to win. So basically, instead of backing the Vikings, who I don't want to back Kirk Cousins, can't sure. pick an NFL side for my life. I was like, I'll just do Cook instead as my bet. So that worked yeah. out. But my trash hit was Javante Williams, the Denver running back, over 48 and a half rushing yards. He looked great on all his touches, but he only got eight of them, eight carries against the Eagles, and the Eagles going to Denver and roll. And there was a box score error in this game. They gave yes. like a 15-yard Melvin Gordon carry to Williams. So I was sweating out the cook bet, looking <laughs> at Javante Williams with 63 rushing yards. Then the game ends. And they put him to 48 and his over was 48 and a half. Oh my Lord. So not only did I lose it by the hook, I was looking at a winner for the whole fourth quarter that they changed to a loser on a stat correction. Um, that is how you, I mean, that's how you trash it right there. That was, I was furious about that. If you go on another show and they do know you better, that could be the loss that you talk about, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it was like a one unit rushing yard prop on a day that I was profitable. So like not the end of the world. Um, I have other things that make me far more angry, but that was not a nice one. I was not happy about that. Speaking of things that make you angry, you know, what? who's not going to be angry this week. You know what, you know what Wednesday is? Wednesday. It's in the no. MLB. Cy Young award winner is named uh, on Wednesday. Let's go, baby. All right. Yeah. I was like, what's happening in MLB? They might never play baseball again. Well, you know what's you know what's convenient too? I have a trip to a casino on Friday. Good timing. You know what I mean? Good timing. Um, let's talk about this Monday night game. We're gonna wrap up week 10 here. Um, you know, you mentioned you were nervous about this game. The Rams are the favorites here, minus three and a half on the spread, 89% of the handle and bets on the Rams, minus three and a half. Uh the and yet. And yet, this goes from four to three and a half. Yep. Yep. It's called reverse line reverse movement. Line it's movement. terrifying. Um, over. Sorry, the over ahead. in this one is at 50. Uh, pretty split on this one. 59% of the handle and bets, once again, um, on the over of 50. And then, as you'd imagine, you know, no one's really looking at the value here for the 49ers on the money line because at minus 180 for the Rams, 91% of the handle and 89% of the bets on that one there. This stat here I wanted to point out from John Ewing on Twitter at John Ewing when uh, receiving 70% or more of the bets. Matthew Stafford has gone 6, 13, and 2 against the spread, but 2 and 2 against the spread with the Rams. Tell us why you're nervous. Anytime you give these these Stafford ATS numbers, it's like, I mean, it was all with the Lions. So who cares? Yeah. Right. Um, So that's why I wanted to to point out the two and two with Rams. Right. So, and two and two is, you know, a split. So somewhat meaningless um, to me. Look, I, I like the Rams in this spot. I'm very scared of it. Had the Rams done what they were supposed to do and beat the Titans not giving that game away. I, um, I, this would definitely be a stay away game for me, but I feel the Rams have to have some kind of bounce back Yeah. after Stafford literally gave a win away. 
um, early, and then Tennessee could just run away with it. The Niners have not looked good. Now, we know that they – this is the thing with the Niners over the last couple years. They're always dinged up, and it's hard to predict, like, when they're going to show up and be the Niners from the team that went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago Um, because that team is still in there somewhere. It's just always dinged up, and if they get behind, Garoppolo makes mistakes. Like, if the Niners' defense can battle here, you know, they can win this game. If the Rams go up 10, they're just going to cruise and win the game. So – the splits terrify me. Um, it feels pretty trappy. There's reverse line movement. Did it drop a half a point because of the Robert Woods injury? Um, yep. Beckham's clearly worth nothing at this stage. There's a buy coming up next week for the Rams. This is a spot where he barely sees the field. You get him caught up on the off week and then plug him into a Robert Woods type role. Um, so I don't know, like Van Jefferson props will be popular. Yeah. I'm curious to see what his involvement is, how close to a Robert Woods level involvement it is. Um, so maybe I'm interested in some props there. His it, long should be, it, it, should, it should be pretty high because the idea is, you know, and this can change obviously, but the idea is that Beckham is not going to play a lot of snaps. Like they have some special plays right. that they basically have for him. Some, some packages, which for yeah. Cam Newton meant two plays yesterday. Right. And but then two big touchdowns. Yeah. Um, right. And then punt returns. They're interested in using him as a punt returner. Um, but let me go over to the player props really quick. Well, so Van Jefferson receiving yards set at 48 and a half minus 115 on both sides on that one. Uh, his receptions are at, are at one, uh, excuse me, three and a half minus 170 on the over. So that ain't, so yeah. that's gone. You know, the, that's going to go ahead. Long reception. The 19 and a half long reception is what interests me. Okay. Van Jefferson. So that's a prop I have my eyes on. Um, and then the other one is if, is it at, I think it was at three, but if the first half is at two and a half, mm-hmm. it is at two and a half, two and a half minus 115. I might be interested in just going Rams first half instead of the game. Yeah. Just because the splits on the game terrify me, but we can ask, we can ask Johnny about that. Uh, real quick, too, on Van Jefferson on that longest um, reception, his number there. He actually is uh, second on the team in air yards with 600. His average distance of target is at 13. That is by far the highest on the team amongst eligible receivers. Uh, Cooper right. Cup, as you'd imagine, is second, and he's at 8.7. So we're talking about almost a six-yard difference uh, average distance of target between Cup and Van Jefferson if they're going to be going down the field. Obviously, Beckham is going to be in that role moving forward, but at least for tonight, you might still get that with Van Jefferson, especially with Robert Woods out as well. So that would definitely be something to take a look at as well. And also, quite frankly, I don't hate taking uh, Van Jefferson anytime touchdown either if you want to take a look at that if he does get one of those long shots and that's the thing too like with these guys like Marquise Brown um you know Devontae Smith like getting those anytime touchdowns as well if you like if they're the guys that are going deep down the field if they're catching those more likely than not they're also going in for the touchdown so I don't I've, I've been trying to double down on those as much as I can now I've actually something that's um I've been doing a little bit more but if you look at the anytime touchdown for Van Jefferson tonight it's at plus 140. Third best odds on the board, by the way. Yeah, I mean, he's he's up there. The The prop numbers are creeping up on him. That's, for me, uh, if I play a prop in this game, it's going to be Van Jefferson, long reception over 19 and a half. And you look at the numbers, he's done it in three straight. He's done it in six of nine overall. 
Um, and that's without even converting on a lot of his targets. He caught three of seven targets against Tennessee, three of six yeah. against Houston, four of seven against Detroit. Like he can be a little more efficient. Um, but if you're, t- you're telling me, what is that right there? That's 20 targets in the last three games. And now you yeah. take Woods out. So you would expect a bump. There's going to be opportunities there. And the San Francisco secondary is uh, very susceptible to giving up those big plays. Is plus 190 for OBJ to be an anytime touchdown score a horrible number? I'm not, I'm not doing it. And like Cam Newton, I wouldn't either. nobody would have seen Cam Newton coming yesterday uh, on Sunday and he scores twice um, or a passing and a rushing, whatever yeah. it was. So I just don't, th- I, there's not going to be many opportunities. He's going to be in a handful of plays or he's going to have to return a punt. Um, right. I would bet a no. I would I would lay up. I would lay a minus two fifty on a no. Odell Beckham Jr. touchdown. Uh, I don't know if I want to lay on a no, but I think that would just be a stay away for me. Just because if better. they're going to involve him in these special packages, like they're probably like home run plays. You know what I mean? Like they're not getting him on these screen. Probably, but or, they can all. You know, they can also be um, use him as a diversion. Just yeah. tell him to run straight so they can throw it under to Cooper Cup or Van Jefferson, like right. Tyler Higby. Mm. I, I just know. thought I just thought that was a bad number. Like I feel like it should be yeah. higher, you know. So yeah. um, okay. So um, any other thoughts on tonight? Uh, I obviously know you didn't want to take a side or anything like that. You know, these Monday games have consistently been player prop games, they feel like. Um, so obviously we like the props on Van Jefferson there. Uh, don't mind taking him for an anytime touchdown score either. Uh, I, I I have no problem taking Rams minus three and a half. I know this feels really trappy, but you put these two teams together, like the Rams are, are by far the better team. Like I just, you yep. know, maybe this is just my personal thing because I'm usually down on the 49ers as is, you know, they've shown absolutely nothing. If it's Jimmy Garoppolo, if it's Trey Lance under center, both have looked abysmal for the most part. Um, the Rams, uh, you know, even on the road here, they should have no problem with the 49ers. So I don't mind the minus three and a half. I feel like this is going to be one of those games where it's going to end and we're like, we just overthink, you know, we're, we're, we're overthinking this one minus three and a half was, was a no brainer on this spot. It, it could be the public's due for, do for some wins. So real um, quick. So, so let me ask you, is the, is the 49ers a teaser piece heading into week 11, getting them at nine and a half? Uh, um, I don't need to, I don't need to do that. I don't, I think the board, the Rams, is, the Rams is, have is, blowout potential, just like, yeah. What were two popular teaser pieces? Um, and I think you and Reed had them to some degree on Sunday's sweat show. What were two popular teaser pieces on Sunday? Because there were no six and a half sevens to tease down, really. It's, oh, let's get the Browns up to eight and a half. Oh, let's get the Raiders up to eight and a half. And yep. how did that work? So I don't want to get in the way of the Rams potentially winning by double digits here. All right, let's get some insight into the sports book here. We're going to go switch over to odds are with Johnny Avello and get his take on all the happenings on week 10 and a little bit of week 11. All right, everybody. And welcome into uh, a staple on the podcast, the unreasonable odds podcast on Mondays odds are with Johnny Avello. And for the occasion, we of course bring uh, Johnny Avello into the show. It is not in person at a desk in New Jersey where wads of cash can be slammed on the table, but we are back in our normal uh, Zoom settings here. Johnny, how we doing? Good, Julian, Steve. Uh, things are good. Thank you. Good. All right. Let's, uh, let's dive into some NFL to start as usual. Prior to the Jets beating the Bengals on Halloween, no underdog of a touchdown or more had won a game outright in the NFL this season. 
Since then, there have been eight teams that were favored by seven or more, I believe, that have lost a game. Um, it has been madness. So with a start like that, where kind of all the chalk comes through on the money line parlays, the teasers, was regression like this expected? Or is this one of the wildest, you know, <laughs> runs of upsets that you can remember in the NFL, Johnny? Because we're new, we're newer. I don't remember this much chalk busting up in the last few weeks after it just was not happening to start the season. Yeah, it's been a pretty good stretch happening here, but let's let's just say that we had some catching up to do uh, because we didn't have that happen during the beginning of the season, and it is things that do happen regularly during the season. Uh, you said wild stretch. Uh, I'll go along with that, Julian. Wild stretch. All right. Yeah, it's been absolute madness too, and it's been madness for NFL road dogs of seven or fewer points who were in it, who are an insane forty-three and fifteen against the spread on this season, cashing at seventy-four percent. Johnny's already shaking his head. That trend when that was that number, by the way, the forty-three and fifteen was going into yesterday. That's insane. Yeah, that's uh, that's so then. You got the numbers for yesterday, too. Yeah, that trend went four and two on Sunday. If we count the Eagles who closed at a pick but they were a dog all week long. Vikings, Saints, and Lions also covered while the Patriots and Packers got big home wins to go against the trend. Does that 47 and 14 against the spread record for short road dogs speak of the lack of home field advantage we're seeing in the NFL? Because when road dogs are crushing like this, does it factor into giving the team fewer points on the road? I don't know, Steve. I, I don't believe the home field has become less of a, you know, a, a, of a factor, so to speak. It, I just feel it comes down to that we, we have some of these teams overpriced, you know, yeah. as makers. It's what made it's our fault, but it's our fault. But the better still believe that the pricing is correct. So there's no reason to modify drastically. So we'll just keep going the way we are. Now, once a trend, once the players start betting, the one other way, which I don't believe will happen because they never have in the history of the NFL, then we'll, you know, there's, well, I guess we'll just keep doing what we're doing. But, uh, you know, my feelings are always that these trends turn around eventually. And that's what I think you'll see happen. That was, that answers my follow-up. I was going to ask you, do you see this one going the other way? Just like the heavy favorites kind of went the other way over the last few weeks, but you already, already cleared that one up for us. So Going specifically to Sunday, um, what outcomes were some of the the biggest winners and losers for the books? Because kind of going back to that first question, I'm sure, you know, outright losses for the Ravens, the Bucks, um, even the Cardinals, even though they, you know, Murray and Hopkins ruled out, but they were still around a touchdown when when it closed. So what were some of the some of the biggest winners and losers for for the books? And how did those heavy favorites break up the, the parlays and teasers? Well, yeah, the Bucks were the biggest decision for us. Now, the Bucks were the biggest handle, you know, tons of money on the money line, had them cooked up in money line parlays, teasers, every other type of bet. Um, and, of course, that Thursday night game was good for our house, the one with the Ravens. That line moved from six and a half to eight and a half. <laughs> um, and then the Saints covering, but there was no win there. That was another one of our big wins along with the Eagles, the Lions, which it was a tie. And the Panthers, that also blew up some other of those exotic wagers. So those were the games that, you know, really turned us into a magnificent Sunday. All right. So social media is buzzing 
the, the Chiefs are back. Like they're finally back on track. Okay. After that convincing win against the Raiders um, last night with the win like that. And with this offense getting back on track, how does that factor into pricing the Chiefs moving forward? They're minus two and a half for us. Dallas on Sunday, a very, very attractive minus minus one fifteen to win the AFC West, which is starting to kind of break up a little bit after all, basically the entire division was clumped up together at the top there. But how do you handle the Chiefs now moving forward? Well, you're right, Steve. We did open two and a half. That's holding steady as of now. But you mentioned something. If you believe the Chiefs are back, if you believe the Chiefs are back, then this game probably goes to three. Uh, you have to lay to minus 115 that's out there to win the division. Uh, they're five to one to win the conference. We did drop that a bit and 11 to one to win the Super Bowl. We did drop that a bit. So it all comes down to if you believe. And, you know, that was an impressive offensive performance. Um, and their defense seems to have played much better over the last three games. And then moving to Monday Night Football tonight, the Rams are coming off a brutal Sunday Night Football loss to the Titans, laying uh, uh, three and a half in San Francisco tonight. It looks like we're seeing some reverse line movement in this one with the majority on the money on the Rams, but the number dipping from four to three and a half. What goes into that? Because obviously it's still too early to factor in Odell Beckham Jr., but they did lose their wide receiver too in Robert Woods. So that does hurt the Rams offense a bit here, but what goes into that reverse line movement? Well, you know, someone did open this game four. We actually opened this game three. We're pushed to three and a half. Um, the Rams have multiple injuries. You mentioned Woods. He's out. Uh, ben Skoranek is uh, questionable, the other wide receiver. Um, also a couple of DBs as well as Von Miller. But, you know, I think yeah. Von Miller, I think you'll see both Miller and OBJ tonight. Um, and so that may even push this line up a little further up to that somewhere some opened up to four. But right now it's three and a half from three and uh, mostly ran money. All right. So going to Thursday night football, um, the Patriots, they were dead in the water, two and four. They've now found their groove. Uh, you know, this is a team that was out of it. Now they're a team that is potentially in the mix in, in the AFC where we have no idea who is good in these, these recent weeks, um, given the outcomes preseason Atlanta favored on the look ahead line in this game. If you go to Sunday, it's Patriots minus four in this game. You go to Monday morning. I saw it sitting at five and a half. Now it's bumped up to six looking like this could turn into a, a teaser leg for people linking to something on Sunday um, by the time this one kicks off on, on Thursday night, where's the early money in this game and where do you expect this number to close? Yeah, I, I like this Pat team a lot. I, I don't know if this is the year for them to win it all, but, you, you know, Mac Jones is like really good, confident out there, you know, uh, and with, with Belichick and as your master, uh, you know, certainly helps to bring a young guy along. Uh, so far, it's all Pat so far. And that's the betters looking at the Pats that you you know you mentioned uh, in the dismal effort of the Falcons this past weekend. Falcons though had won four, three of four, and you know have been competitive prior to that game. The, the game is up to six from that early early summer line of Falcons minus one, and then Sunday <laughs> the early line week ahead of four. Uh, here's the way I look at this game. The Sharps may look for a higher number before jumping in on Atlanta here. 
so this thing could reach six and a half. I don't think you're seeing a seven now. So, well, one one quick follow-up here, I guess. When does this turn to, you know, in your opinion, with how far this number's gotten away from, like, the the early perceptions, when does this turn into to bad value? Um, because it's such a sell high point on the Patriots, such a buy low point on the Falcons, like two extreme blowout scenarios on Sunday. Like how much do you think this, how much do you think that factors into these games where, you know, everybody wants to pile on the Patriots, myself included, but the number's so far away from what it was originally supposed to be. And it's almost all due to the outcomes of Sunday. Yeah. I think if you want to bet the Patriots here, you have to wait. And if the number continues to go up, then you got to lay off. You have to be disciplined when you're gambling. You know, there's a number that you have in mind you want to lay and that number's no longer there. So maybe you wait for it to come down or your other option is to wait for in-game wagering. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe somebody scores, maybe Falcons score three first or score first in the game. And that'll be an opportunity to get a better, better number. Yeah, live betting on DraftKings Sportsbook might be one of the more underutilized portions of uh, that we offer there. Uh, let's talk about this Week 11 board. We talked about it at the top of the show. This is probably one of the more appealing boards uh, we've seen in weeks now. As usual, you have a couple massive dogs in this one, Lions and Texans, but most of the spreads are finally back down to under a touchdown. You have potential teaser legs with the Bills at 6.5 against the Colts, Ravens 6.5 against the Bears. The Packers have covered nine in a row and are still just 2.5 against the Minnesota two-part question here uh what games have taken the most early money on the Sunday board and which games do you expect to move the most let's talk about the ones that took some money so far the Eagles pick was the opener they're up to one and a half at home versus the Saints and they're certainly playing much better yeah every um, week Johnny every explain this to me every <laughs> week sharp money loves the Eagles I don't think the Eagles are good I saw what they did on Sunday I'm interrupting you. I'm sorry. Why the Eagles? Why every week? Why? I took the charge. Right. Once it got to a pick that Sunday that we were in New Jersey for the event together, I was like, it's a pick. I have to take the Chargers. And it got that. I have three words for you. I don't know. Yeah. All right. That's the answer we love to hear. All right. I don't get it. Like the Eagles aren't a good team in there. The Sharps just love them. Rookie head coach. Not a great defense. I don't, I'm, I'm never going to get it. Yeah, you know, better. Hey, better's bet, and we make lines. That's it. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm interested in the rest of the answer where the early money is, but I just it's the Eagles every week. Yeah. Well, okay. Besides the Eagles, uh, <laughs> Pack <laughs> Packers are up to two and a half from two with additional juice. You know, where we put the one twenty on there, which means we're close to going to three, which yeah. we probably will end up getting there. Um, the Cardinals now the favorite at two and a half. If they're opening up a one-point dog now, that's certainly a poor performance offensively from the Seahawks. And Arizona expected to have Murray and possibly Hopkins back for that one. Uh, another game, uh, we opened the Chargers three, and USD where some games might go. We opened the Chargers three, and I expect that to reach four uh, with Big Ben questionable and the Steelers having some issues. All right, that'll do it for football, but I want to talk a couple quick basketball questions before we get you out of here, Johnny. Um, NBA player props. That's a market that I really enjoy. I'm going to have two of them that I'm giving out later in the podcast for, for Monday and just kind of taking advantage of, of injury news um, in a league like the NBA where we get 
constant injury news throughout the day. It's always changing. Load management is the new term. Guys will just sit out. Um, you know, it, it creates some some potential edges. And I think when somebody's ruled out, a better's initial reaction is, oh, I need to go get this spread, bet this team because this guy on the other side was ruled out. When sometimes going to the player props is is where to go for me. But so as it pertains to the player prop market, like what is the process that goes into adjusting those numbers based off injury news? So for example, one that I'm going to give a little later, Spencer Dinwiddie, when Bradley Beal is off the floor, his numbers go, his numbers, his usage go way up. So like what goes into setting those numbers based off of injury news? Yeah. You have to look at the points that you're going to lose and then the points that somebody else is going to make. Uh, so, you know, you have to spread that out somewhat equally among the, the starters and the guys that score. And then you have to figure out what the bench guys are worth. Um, you know, a guy like Dinwiddie, uh, you know, you could get him as a, at a like plus 340 tonight to be the top scorer in the game, but we don't actually have the, the scoring per player up on that game quite yet tonight. I want to tell you a story, quick story about Dinwiddie since you brought up Dinwiddie. So it was last Sunday during our contest in New Jersey. I know. And a contestant needed Dinwiddie over 16 and a half. That's what he averaged right around 16, 16 and a half to complete a three team parlay that would have paid 210 grand, putting him in the lead. So here's Dinwiddie. He's, he's off that night. He's got three at the half. And you know what he ended up with? Three. What a bad night for Dinwiddie. And it cost the customer to contest. Man. Yep. I was, uh, I was there at the bar with the customer uh, talking about that prop. Um, well, I think he's going to have a good night tonight on Monday. So maybe he wants to make another bet for uh, 210,000 or whatever it is on him tonight. He's going to do very well against the Pelicans. Um, all right, real quick, college basketball before we get out of here. Tipped off on Tuesday. We had a lot of great top 10 matchups last week. Um, Kentucky and Duke, Nova, UCLA, late night, Texas, Gonzaga. Um, how has the handle been in the first week of college basketball? Because it's mixing in in the middle of football season, NBA, all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's fabulous. And and I can say confidently that this will be our largest season handle of all time. I can say that because we're growing and we're in more states. And I know I know the way people love basketball. There's just a lot of parity out there in college basketball. So um, you're not going to see any teams unless they're playing at a conference or playing, you know, some team that's, uh, you know, 115. You're going to see these spreads be a little bit tighter than you have seen in the past and on, on some of these bigger games. All right. That does it for Odds Are with Johnny Avello. Uh, Johnny, a pleasure as always. Thanks for joining us on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Thank Thanks, you Johnny. Much, guys. Thank you. All right, as always, thanks to Johnny Avello for joining the show. It's always interesting to get the sportsbook insight from him. Love having him on. Definitely one of our favorite guests on the show. With that said, uh, let's look ahead to the week ahead now. A um, lot of this is this is probably one of my favorite boards uh, that we've seen in weeks now. Um, I mentioned earlier there's like 12 games where the spread is six and a half or lower. Like that is we've been waiting for this kind of week. This is where a week where I think we're going to be uh, heavily on sides. Where we've been kind of shying away from that uh, so far, but let's just start off real quickly with the Thursday night game Patriots at Falcons Patriots, six point favorites on the road in this one over under in this game of 46 and a half early money, as you'd expect are all over the Patriots in this one who probably had their best showing of the season 
yesterday on Sunday in that game. Um, what do you think about this one? I, I, I feel like this, this line is going to continue to steam up to uh, at least seven at, at some point here. It was five and a half this morning, already up to six. So what are your thoughts on this one and how quickly should we be jumping on the Patriots? It is going to steam up and this isn't how you're supposed to do it, but I'll give it out right now. Like I bet it at five and a half. If you can, I like getting under six now because of the, you know, the new way things go. Like when you are down 14 and you score a touchdown, you try and go for two to get down six. Like there's new key numbers. Like I really like being at five and a half. So if you can get it there, I would, I know it's at six now on drafting sports book. If it's got the minus one Oh five and you can get the minus five and a half for one fifteen, I would do something like that. Um, Minus one now the, the everything about and you know I'm, I'm a value better I like to bet value and there's no value here because the look ahead line before the season here was Falcons slight favorites the line on Sunday here was the Patriots minus four. Oh wow and now we're looking at six and yeah. why is that because the Patriots won by a million and the Falcons lost by a million so this is a sell high spot on the Patriots, a buy low spot on the Falcons in theory. That said, I don't think we're going to land on, on four or five on four or five here and, and like mess this up. If you took it yeah. Sunday, you can, you can, or if you didn't take it Sunday at the four, you can take it now at the five and a half, six. Um, it is a short week on the road, but it seems like the Patriots are clicking. They've found something. Yep. They've got it going on defense. They've got it going in the running game, whether Harris is out there or it's Stevenson, who's been awesome. Um, and they're letting Mac Jones throw, and he's doing a good job of it. And that's something that you can do well against Atlanta. And then Atlanta with Ridley out now, and, you know, you trade Jones. They're just – the weapons aren't there. Pitts hasn't translated all the way to what we necessarily thought he would be, at least right away. He can still be a great player, but – he hasn't been as spectacular as he needs to be. He needs to be a wide receiver one, like, yeah, like for his team um, as a rookie tight end. And that's hard to do. So the Falcons, I just don't know how they're going to move the ball that well against the Patriots defense, the way they're playing right now. And right. as long as the Patriots keep running the ball well and letting Mac Jones have his opportunities, feels like they're going to win this game. So yeah, I'm, I'm on the Patriots. I'm, I'm bet him for two units at five and a half this morning on Monday morning. Um, so this is, you know, going to be a, like you said, I've been shying away from NFL. It's been going poorly the last few weeks, but this is a week that can kind of reel me back in on some sides because I like yeah. some things and the Patriots are a strong take for me right away. And then by the time we get to Thursday, you know, this is probably going to be looking like a teaser leg for a lot of people at whatever, six, six and a half, seven. Yep. Um, and there are some pieces on Sunday that you can put it with. So Thursday night football interests me very much um with a Patriots team that all of a sudden has it coming together like Patriots uh, Patriots plus uh Patriots 11 to 1 to win the AFC isn't the craziest thing in the world the way that the rest of the teams are playing right now the Bills and the Chiefs did have good Sundays but still I think it's important too that like coming into this season, the Falcons secondary was perceived to be like the worst in the league. And I think that chatter has kind of gone away because they've been winning some games last on Sunday, the, the Cowboys wide receivers, 15 receptions for 212 yards on 18 targets. 
two touchdowns, 11.7 yards per target. That was the biggest margin. That was the first time that they uh, opposing teams have averaged over 10 yards per target against the, the, uh, the Falcons. Like that was a game that you would expect the Falcons to give up. Now, I don't think that's going to happen against the Patriots because they don't have those type of receivers, but like Kendrick Bourne being very much involved is something to be excited about. Hunter Henry is just an absolute red zone monster. It feels like week after week, he's just scoring right now. The Falcons just don't have the means to stop really not just the Patriots offense, really any offense that they're going to be facing in the next few weeks. So betting against the Falcons like for the next month or so is most likely going to be a profitable uh, uh, venture. As long as you get the right number, you're still getting a, a good number here. I think in my MP on minus six, but I would be jumping on this early because, you know, I think both uh, you and I agree. Uh, this is just going to continue to climb. Uh, I, I have no doubt that this is going to get to seven and maybe even seven and a half uh, by the time we uh, roll around on Sunday. So this would be one of those lines that uh, I would say to jump on early uh, before waiting until, um, you know, injuries and all that creep up happen through the week the Patriots were two and four slipping by the slipping by the Texans and now they're like the Undertaker gif (laughs) in the mix they're in the mix in the AFC one thing I did not expect is Julian Edlow dropping a WWE reference at any point in his life let's look at the board on Sunday uh what jumps out at you here uh only a couple of teams are favored by double digits the Browns are one of them you know, against the Lions, like that, I, I, I that is going to be 100% a game. I'm not going to be even touching. I don't care what the line gets on that one. I have no idea who's going to win that game. Uh, Titans going up at home against the Texans. They're minus 10 favorites in that one. And that is the only two double digits. Yeah, those are the only two double digits. Oh, excuse me. Well, um, until you get to Monday night. Monday night. Yep. The Buccaneers who are coming off that shocking loss against the Washington football team. That was another team that I just you know, completely got suckered into betting them live. And that still was not an endeavor that worked out. Um, Just a really bad loss for the Buccaneers. And I think it's really more eye-opening about, you know, a lot of people like the Buccaneers to win it all again. They are not going to win games with that defense. That defense is putrid. It is so bad. They could not make a stop to save their lives yesterday against uh, Heineke and, and the Washington football team offense. If they can't do that against Washington, how are they going to do that in the playoffs against good teams? That's going to be a major problem for them. And then those two, those couple picks by Brady, I wouldn't say he was hundred percent fault at that, but the defense is going to be a major, major problem. Uh, but what are you looking at this week here? Uh, any games that kind of uh, jump out uh, and grab your attention? I mean, the chiefs Cowboys is a big one uh, and that's, it's been around to pick them. It's showing two and a half right now, but this should be like one and a half. Something you can get, you know, maybe a Chiefs minus 125 money line. Um, Dallas going to Arrowhead. I kind of like the spot for the Chiefs. And both teams just got dominant wins. Um, Probably more impressive on the Chiefs side of things. But was it? Yeah, because the Falcons aren't good. Um, (laughs) And the Raiders are okay. I don't, if you can get me anything like minus 125 or better on the Chiefs' money line, I'm kind of interested in them there at home. The Chiefs are currently minus 115 to win the division. Yeah. Um, the Raiders are due for some regression, I would say. The Chargers seem to be figured out. Um, you know, their last three, they lose to the Patriots at home as favorites. They just slipped by the Eagles. Um, they lose to the Vikings. Like, they don't seem to be for real. And the Broncos are falling apart. Like, I think this is the time to bet the Chiefs. I, I mean, and I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs, 
Everybody's yeah. got the like we're back, the Chiefs thing going from Sunday night. Um, but they're still the best team in the division, and they're in first place now, and yet minus one fifteen to win the division. Yeah. So I like the Chiefs minus one fifteen to win the division a lot right now. Um, that's something I'll probably get in my best bets article this week. Um, and then really quickly, I, it's a lot of the two and a half, three point favorites for me this week. I know Aaron Jones is going to be out for the Packers. Yep. I still kind of like the Packers in Minnesota. Minnesota doesn't scare me except for the situationally, like they need to be facing a meh team that can't stop the run. Um, the Packers just keep getting it done. Nine covers in a row. Tough to argue with that. And quite uh, frankly, Aaron, uh, AJ Dillon worked fine in that role, getting all the touches. Right. You know I mean? Workhorse for AJ yeah. Dillon. He's, he's a guy, you know, he'll be a popular DFS play this week. There'll be a guy that we'll see what those props are set at. Um, Massive card collector, by the way. Okay. And then <laughs> last one right here. Uh, I think I'm going to bet the Dolphins minus three against the Jets on the road. Tua was um, just announced as a starter, like literally seconds ago. Hmm? Tua was officially announced as the starter as well, too. Like just a few seconds. That's fine. Ago, um, I, I do prefer Tua to Brissett. Hundred percent. So some people don't. I, he's not worth that many points. I just he's worth like yeah. eight point maybe, but I, I prefer Tua. Um, Jets are a mess. Jets have given up 175 points in four games. That's incredible. Now the Dolphins aren't great on offense, but though it's cushy enough that the Dolphins will be able to get some points on the board. And we've seen Miami's defense look look pretty good the last couple of weeks. So yeah. I think Miami's re- returning a little bit to what it was supposed to supposed to be this season you know a, a okay team um and the jets are just awful so any anytime you can anytime you can take somebody minus three against the jets i'm gonna consider it yeah i mean i mean the the dolphins got some key players back from injury that were not, not there at the beginning of the season i think that's really starting to show now because defensively they've been fantastic like they've been a team that you know people were continuing to bet against and it's been really you know anything but that like they've looked like a pretty legit team like the record doesn't really show accurately show what kind of team this is. And especially they can be defensively. And when we were even before the season started, I said, this team's got a really solid defense and no one's really talking about it, but they lost so many guys so early that it looked like I was a total idiot. Like, like what, what do you are totally talking about? I, absolutely. But at least, you know, I tried to put some, some research and, and some uh, thought process into this, but this is the team now. That really we should have been seeing the beginning of the season if the injuries weren't there. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. Minus three on the Dolphins. I feel like that feels like a, a good piece there as well. Um, I'm curious about this one. And I'm, I'm wondering if this is a reaction from the loss yesterday, but the Raiders are plus one, basically, um, home dogs against the Bengals, who have really kind of taken a step back at this one. So we're basically asking for a coin flip here. Um, any thoughts on that one there? Because I feel like, not just because of yesterday, but obviously that didn't help, but I, it feels like at least with everything going on with the Raiders, like this is where it starts to kind of fall apart. And that might've started yesterday and continues on here against the Bengals. It could. And the Bengals are off a bye, um, but they're still the Bengals and they looked like the Bengals the last time we saw yeah. them getting smashed by the Browns. I have no interest in this game. You can't get me on this game. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, one side last week, I've been very cautious. I'm back this week. I'll have a few sides, but I'm not going all willy nilly on Raiders Bengals pick them games. So 
I will be rooting for the Bengals because I have my Raiders under eight wins that is starting to um, starting to show life. I don't know. It's the, it's the Undertaker gift. My Raiders under eight wins bet another WWE or whatever it is um, yep, reference is for me. Yeah, this is uh, even though it was the same reference. Um, go, go Bengals. But I'm not uh, just. Just a futures update too, as well to win the Super Bowl. Bills are currently still the favorites at six to one, uh, followed by the Buccaneers, Rams, and Cowboys, who are at nine to one. Currently, Packers and Chiefs round that out in the top six. There, Packers at ten to one, Chiefs at eleven to one. Obviously, the Chiefs took a major bump after the win yesterday. Cowboys, I'm still saying, still probably one of the best on the board right now at nine to one with the way that they're playing. Especially if they can knock off the Chiefs this week, uh, I think you're going to see some big movement there too, as well. So in the futures market there. Bills, Buccaneers, Rams, Cowboys are the top four in the odds. Um, anything there that you want to add or you want to just wrap up and we'll talk about Thursday? Um, wrap up and we'll talk about Thursday. What does that mean? We'll wrap up the show and we'll tease what's coming up on Thursday. Uh, oh, you want to talk some basketball, didn't you? I am going to do a little. Okay. Um, Again, if I, if I bet any if I bet anything futures market wise this week, it's nothing Super Bowl related. It's going to be Chiefs to win the AFC West at minus yeah. one fifteen, and Patriots at eleven to one to win the AFC are the two that I have in mind. Um, anything for you on NFL, real quick? Nope. You can talk your basketball. Okay, I'm going to start with college football because we always need a college football clip for this show to tweet out on a lovely Saturday morning. Um, there's a few spots that I'm looking at on, on Saturday, uh, that interest me. The Clemson offense just is never going to get it. It's never going to move the ball. Um, Wake Forest defense is awful, but I don't know how Clemson can possibly keep up with Wake Forest's offense. Even if it plays a a solid defensive game the Clemson offense just won't, won't get there. So getting the three and a half with Wake Forest um, and even a little money line makes sense to me. BC got its quarterback back, Phil Dracovic, 2-0 since. They still haven't lost a game with him. Um, they're at home against uh, up and down Florida State team. They need this game, and they're still not being priced accordingly. Um, to having the quarterback back and how this team's playing right now. So BC minus 125 money line at home against Florida state jumps out to me. Uh, Still going down the board to the four o'clock window on the East coast. we got a West coast game here, um, a PAC 12 game. UCLA, this one you're going to want to get quick. UCLA is minus three at USC. USC is on like a, I think it's one in six ATS run. Ever since the coach got canned, they just have not been producing whatsoever. Um, so give me, I'm going to lay the three with UCLA and I'm going to expect that one to go to three and a half, four. And then in the nightcap, 730, big Pac-12 game out West. I think you can wait on this one because I think it will move. You have number 24 ranked Utah, who has lost three times, a three-point favorite at home against number three ranked Oregon. That's number 24 favorite against number three, Steve, if you're following, if you're listening. I'm hoping some Oregon money comes in. This is the three is minus 105 right now as we record on Monday afternoon. So I'm hoping Utah minus two and a half. This will be a smaller play for me personally because I am very invested in Utah over eight and a half wins. 
So I need them to win this game. Um, but if like, if you're not as invested, um, this is a spot I really like a lot for, for Utah. Um, so there's your college football minute. Now over to the hardwood. I will have all this in my Monday NBA best bets article, but you get it right here. If you're, uh, if you're being a loyal listener and listening to this podcast before NBA games tip off on Monday night, Celtics had it going on, um, last week. Bet them on Wednesday, bet them on Friday. They won and covered both games. They're playing better with Jalen Brown off the floor right now, running everything through Tatum. Um, it just seems to be seems to be working for them. Um, <clears throat> and yet they were up, whatever it was, 14, 18 points in Cleveland on Saturday night and lost that game. Uh, now this is one of those situations where they stay in Cleveland all weekend, play the same team in the same building, you love to go to the other side, the loser of that game. So I'm going to take the Celtics who outplayed Cleveland severely for three quarters um, and then lost the game to bounce back, get some revenge here. So Celtics minus two and a half in Cleveland. Um, and then you heard, we mentioned some, some props uh, in the NBA. One of my questions with, with Johnny Avello going to a couple props on Monday, one of them in this game with the Celtics. Um, Dennis Schroeder has been terrific in the starting lineup with Jalen Brown out 16 and a half points is his prop four games since uh, Jalen Brown went down. Schroeder has scored 20, 20, 38 and 28 in this matchup against Cleveland. The 28 was on Saturday against Cleveland in a game where there was only 180 total points and he had 28 of them. Um, so Schroeder over 16 and a half points for the Celtics is going to be a spot for me. And finally, we're going to go to points, rebounds, assists for Spencer Dinwiddie with the Wizards. Um, no Bradley Beal against a putrid Pelicans team on Monday. Dinwiddie over 31 and a half points, rebounds, assists. The two games that Beal has sat this season that Dinwiddie has played in He's averaging 28 and a half points, eight and a half rebounds, seven and a half assists. Um, let me attempt to do some math. 30, 43. That's 44 and a half right there. He averages 44 and a half points, rebounds, assists combined. And we're looking at 31 and a half on the total. So over against that Pelicans backcourt. Somebody's got to carry this podcast, Steve. There's a bunch of college football. There's a bunch of NBA. Thanks. You're welcome. That should make our listeners money. And then they can use it all on this weekend when we're talking about week uh, 12, 11, 11, 11, the upcoming NFL week coming up. We'll be talking about that on Thursday with a guest as always. Uh, so be sure to make it uh, tune into the podcast for that one. As always, make sure to follow the podcast Twitter page at unreasonable odd. We should have a giveaway. Uh, go ahead. I mean, it could have waited till after the giveaway. We should have an unreasonable odds giveaway this week, whether it be Millie Maker tickets or free bets. Um, so the Manning cast for Monday Night Football is back on tonight. The guests were just released. Remember we were talking? Oh, you weren't even there. This was after you left in New Jersey at the SBNC. But whoever comes on the Manning cast as an active player loses the next week. They were like 0-7, and, and then Josh Allen came on, and everybody was like, oh, well, this streak's over. They're playing the Jaguars. And the Jaguars beat Josh <laughs> Allen. Oh, man. Bills. 
So now the guest list came out for the Manning cast tonight. No current player. Nobody will go on because their team will lose. <laughs> um, it's Al. It's a, I mean, it's a heavy hitting lineup. It's just no yep. current player. It's Al Michaels, Phil Mickelson, mm. Draymond Green, and wow. Philip Rivers. Wow. So a recent quarterback in Philip Rivers, but not current because nobody will go on because they'll lose. All right. Well, the recent team was the Colts, and that'd be great for my, you know, Colts will make the playoffs. Man. Oh, it feels pretty good right now, even though they keep winning. But the Titans are just dominating, so that that helps. The Titans are going to win that division and make the playoffs, which I'm very financially invested in. But I do have a little bit more invested in the Colts missing, so that would be nice. Yeah, it would be nice. And I, cause, and especially with the Patriots now, too, like I'm feeling better and better about the Colts not making the playoffs. That yeah, I mean, th- that is true. Okay, so after you interrupted me, follow on at Unreasonable Odd yep. on Twitter. We'll have a giveaway this week as well. At Julian Eblo, at Steve, at, <laughs> I don't even know my own Twitter handle, handle at SBuchanan24. That's the Twitter handle. We will be back with you on Thursday. Talk to you then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.